At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Welcome to the episode of the Bandwagon podcast and today um, I have a member of one of the most popular, I would say one of the longest serving DJ collectives in the UK, Pongara scene, but obviously world renowned and um, um, you know full of full of stories which I hopefully I could get a few few out today. <laughs> uh, joining me today is DJ Harv. How you doing bro? I'm good bro, how you doing Ricky? Okay. Yes, yes. So uh, it's only been about a year in it since we've been trying to get this on, isn't it? Yeah, we keep like bumping random places in Birmingham and then discussing it. Then it starts to get jazz. uncomfortable. It starts getting uncomfortable. We're like, yeah, yeah, Kanduge, Kanduge, we are, yeah, 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 yeah. And the jazz, jazz yeah. is the worst. For the record, he's meant to be joining us, but he's too tired. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? Are, it's only half six. Hello. Well, he's he's like, organizing our kudos Christmas party tomorrow. That's ridiculous. Really oh, so is that is so? How do you, how does that how does the kind of duties get allocated then? Is it just purely him putting it on for everyone else, or is it just? Yeah, I mean, like what usually happens every year. It's a bit earlier this year, um, but we'll do like an awards at the office for all the staff, and then uh, then tomorrow we've got the England game, so we're doing awards at the office. Then we'll go to a pub, watch the England game, and then we're going to go for a meal. So that's what usually is every year, apart from the football. So what's the what's the categories? Like best DJ, best international, best gigs, like full proper clumsy. kind of categories. Yeah, that. But then you get like the the clumsy ones or Mister Forgetful. You get the silly ones as well. So everyone gets an award in the end. Are you have you got any awards that you're reigning champion on? You know what? I've, I've, since for three years, I haven't won single of the year, which is disappointing. So. Well, single of the year. <laughs> There's only three of us, <laughs> and you've lost. Yeah, I lost it the last two years already. <laughs> that's harsh, man. That is harsh. Badly. That's all yeah. about motivation, though. Still. Yeah, yeah. No, but I think more. It's more just we don't as big as team as we are. We don't all see each other all the time, so we like live for this moment because we're all originally really good close friends. But 
mm. work takes over and you just, just miss each other for a good seven, eight months. So it's like the best catch up of the year. I think that was one of the the things the things that I kind of queried, especially when you got like in um like when you've got such a big outfit of mm. strong individuals and you've got, you know, reputable DJs and things like that themselves. Mm. How difficult is, I mean, I mean, for especially for like jazz and hate and probably the more experienced ones to kind of keep everyone in line and to kind of continue that motivation must be a bit, di- must be very difficult. I think, um, I think where it's difficult is if you haven't got your own brand within the brand. So be it AJD, Rajiv, Jazz, everyone's sort of got their own clientele and their own crowd that they play to, right? So for for some of us guys is it's easier now now we're like a good 10 years 12 eight years into kudos that we've created our own brands within kudos um but then the new guys who oh, i even remember going back five six years you are eager for the big parties but you know you have to wait your turn or it will come you just got to keep sloggy and by sloggy i mean you've got to keep hustling you've got to keep networking you've got to keep releasing mixes or whatever you're doing um but i get the feeling that people prefer to book the personality behind the dj as much as the music and everything's important they do want a face or a personality that they can connect with so yeah. um i think that's just across the board it's really important i kind of i'll, I'll kind of pick this bit up a little bit later on because there's quite a lot of avenues we can go down so you know when um when you were younger was this an a career i mean we're talking about a multi-million pound industry at the moment now yeah, yeah. especially with the, with bigger djs and stuff are earning like ridiculous amounts of figures mm. did you when you first got into this into the scene was that um something that you kind of thought about or did you accidentally fall into it i started at uni right so i went to uni in southampton and what like, yeah so I went to university in Southampton back in the day and uh, a long time ago. And uh, there was no Bungalow nights. And I was always a massive Bungalow head. Like, I'm originally from a town called Hitchin. Loads of people know this. They always go on about it. But, Hitchin? Uh, yeah. And they're Luton, yeah. Dunstable yeah, bands yeah. and all that, yeah. Yeah, we don't really speak about Luton like that. But <laughs> If Jazz was online now, he would have, he would have tied it in because that's what they, they hit you with. Oh, you're from Luton, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh mate, you must be getting caned. <laughs> oh, but even then, Hitchin, like there's a strong Punjabi community there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but a lot, lot more Gore as well. So I always grew up around Gore, but still managed to be a proper this year, mainly due to my dad, I suppose. And then um then I've gone to university and there's no Bangra nights, and I've come to uni thinking I want to be doing Bangra every night, I suppose. Um, yeah. as well as doing the, the standard stuff that you do. So um, we started making our own nights. Um, I think we were called South Coast Sings. We did a few gigs like in Southampton, Portsmouth, brought some acts down. But then ultimately, it felt like it was my opportunity to start playing music myself. I was so into it. I knew everything. I thought, I got my mum to buy me some decks back then. And that was it. We just, I couldn't mix, couldn't, didn't know what the hell was going on. But, that doesn't matter these days. <laughs> yeah, <she. laughs> uh, but we made it happen. And like uh, at that time, and what I feel like works more than, like you said, without the mix, you put mixing to the side and skills and looks and everything. Music knowledge is the number one 
key key thing because the arm bunda with no idea what's going on so if you can keep the music flowing with banging tracks you're already onto a winner and that's how it started so like about what what were what did what were you studying then and then yeah um, i studied business marketing again going to uni not really knowing what we're going to do so I just went for the traditional path like this is 20 years ago nearly so um left college went to uni it's you just do your course, don't you? You're just going through the sort of motions. You're there for, I think people are a lot more, they've got like a lot more information available to them nowadays with the internet and what careers they want to do. But then I think a lot of us were lost. We're just doing business studies. And uh, yeah, there was that phase where everyone was either doing like C, like business computer studies. Yeah. And then you had law contingent. And then you had like, the the people doing all the GP like medical stuff yeah. like, you never used to see them yeah and exactly then, and then that was it really and then what because I used to do politics yeah at, in Nottingham and used to piss me off because it's like all the Pangra nights were all around based on their schedules I was opposite so when they had a free night and it'd be a sick night I had to be in writing essays no oh, man but, you know I understand it from a marketing point of view now but you know they don't they don't cater for the the outliners man. <laughs> but so we had to create our own man and uh and then i stopped i, I was I, I changed careers i had to come home my dad passed away so i had to come home and stuff like that so we went through a few things back then and then it was literally i must have not really t- i had decks at home but i didn't really go near djing for maybe four or five years and then it was time to get married um and i met DJ H. And um, someone must have told him I was a DJ at uni or something. He, he, H knows the world. And um, and he asked me, I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, why didn't you come along with me to some gigs? He goes, I'll show you what weddings are like. So I spent a year on the road with H. And I loved it. I just fell in love with it. Like, I, was, I always wanted H for my wedding. Anyway, I'd seen him for like two or three years beforehand. His Reloaded album was out. He was like a superstar back then. And I was like, yo, this guy is amazing. Um, and then I moved to the area because of work. Became friends. We are playing football together. Next thing you know, a year later, he's given me a massive chance. I said, look, join the team as a DJ. Um, and I joined up with a guy called Raju, who used to be my mic man. And uh, again, the hardest thing to do, in the one of the hardest things to do in the business is miking. Um, but yeah, we became a team. And then it's just, I think the music's always been a passion. And the fact that I was able to pick up DJing and, and just slog it and just do weird weddings like Chinese marrying Tamils and... Like, journal, like anything you do at that stage, just, just to get is that is that just because of, is that because of the graft thing uh, um, that was happening at the time? Because because I remember when the full kudos like launch happened. Um, I mean, there was like loads of rumors like they bought out like they've had this special contract with Brit Asia that no other DJ allowed to advertise. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, because it was um, what was it? It was them guys. I think lines Bangla. Um, yeah, a few of us basically there was, I think, because Kudos were the first ones to actually advertise yeah. DJing on there, and it then, was yeah. Then I remember hearing that they go, oh yeah, no one else is allowed to advertise it for like six months or something, and then John, uh, I think I heard the same rumor, you know. But I started a year after that, so I always worked. missed that. <laughs> but I know that I remember those adverts coming up with Asia and thinking, this is sick. Look at the setups. They've got the branding, the DJs. And um, I was like, I'm definitely having kudos for my wedding. Like, that's just the way it was. And I think, yeah, yeah for a while, 
as in, I suppose, a lot of scenarios for Kudos is that they were first to do something and it just kicked off and it set a trend, didn't it? So, uh, yeah, it definitely I mean, worked. But I think a lot of it's just down to H and Jazz just being just relentless with their passion for what they do. So, yeah, how you know, you 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 kind of said it in a little in a little way where you saw that H. He was already kind of like a well, well kind of known um, re- release um, tracks of his own and mm. as a collective and just everyone just knew, knew of him. Did you feel the pressure going in there where you've had like little kind of skills on your, you know, you probably have kind of, mm. I would say kind of basic skills at that point. And then you're going yeah. into the collective with a bigger, a bigger bit. How difficult it w- was it for you then to kind of, leave your impression your mark because you've got to earn that space don't you it was um it was really difficult you know because obviously i've been on the road with h for a year so i've got to understand the setups and the, the effort and everything goes into i've got to understand a bit more how a wedding flows so those sort of things were in my armory but when i first come to kudos i was just so taken back by the level of skill these guys had at djing i just couldn't believe it like, i'm not talking mm. using laptops or sync buttons People like Rajiv could mix with their eyes closed with their back towards the decks. Like there was a pure, like amazing technique. And I was watching and I was thinking, shit, I'm nowhere fucking near this level. And now haters brought me on board. So I was on the microscope because it was always back then, there was about seven, eight kudos DJs and everyone was rated to be really, really highly uh, regarded in the industry. And, And I think there was one gig that I did and that someone else came to market for me, mic it for me. Um, one of our other guys that used to be with Kudos back in the day, Arjun, and uh, and that day just everything just went tits up. My mixes were out. I couldn't get a flow. I was nervous. And word got back, and then there was like I had to overcome being shit, basically, which I was, and rightly so. But what it meant is that I fucking tried even harder, and I've just been. And bear in mind, I'm in my mid twenties. I'm not like a sixteen-year-old kid in the in his bedroom. I was making time to just practice my technique, um, and I kept making these live mixes and uploading them to SoundCloud. And that's how I got a bit of a following because I was I was just doing thisy music. That's what I love. I wasn't trying to do reggae and hip hop and this and that. I was just stuck to my guns, thisy, 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 and um, I built my somehow built a following just like that. Just kept going for it. And name me, name me your third. Let me see. Name me your third release on your SoundCloud. Oh, Punjabi Slow Jams? Fucking smashed it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Straight off, man. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I, I can't name you my top five, uh, my first five podcasts. I forgot. You know, every one of those mixes, I can listen back. Because it's done live. I can tell you the next song that was coming in if I'm listening to it. Like I just, you rehearsed it, it was in, in that way. Day. And when you fucked it up, you had to start again and this and that. It, you had to be like perfect for 30 minutes or whatever it was. So. Do, do you think that art of in terms of where people are like I I can see I I my experience is when seeing DJs and or hearing the DJs, I think like, obviously a lot of the technology kind of helps people now. Yeah, yeah, yeah massive. You can still you can, there's a difference of being a selector kind of thing, isn't it? In like picking the right genre, the kind of side of it. Are you one of the, where's your mindset in in terms of your opinion of the new generation of DJs compared to the old one? I think um, the older generation, or more say, I'd say I almost cut from that same cloth, is that we relied on network and we, I think we're just better speakers and like, 
you know, like we know how to host, we know how to talk to people. And, and I think that was so big back then because you didn't have much social media. Um, so you had to know when they're face to face. I remember turning up to the gigs once um, and some guy goes, oh, where's the main DJ yet? Where's H and Jazz? And we were setting up. It was so disrespectful, the guys. We were really good friends there. But um, back then I was like, proper felt disrespected by the guy. But I turned it around and we ended up becoming really good friends. And I think that really helped back then. Because if you've got a good balance of you cannot mix all right, you know your tracks and you know Bandeir, you're going to get gigs, right? Um, and then obviously you get better as time goes on. With the new guys, they're phenomenally talented like different level talented with DJs. We'll talk about some of the guys in our camp. You've got uh, Aman with the X in his name, um, Harvey, Sam. These guys are like just different level. They know what every button does on the deck and how to make it work to their, however the DJ, the DJ completely different way. Um, they're amazing at what they do, but I feel like unless we speak about them, no one will really know who they are. So I feel like they, where they, it's just their generational thing, right? Some Is it they're more say. kind of like introvert? Because I think yeah. I think we're we're like uh, kudos and a few other DJs and that yeah. happened and a few kind of individual DJs kind of on their own road shows where they kept cooked up kind of a perfect storm where social media came at the same time. Yeah, they had the networking skills so they could connect with loads of people. And now yeah. you see you see exactly what you said: a generation of individual talents. And they they will just fall up fall away if they don't get picked up because they're yeah. not they haven't they've they're going in a saturated social media market rather than um kind of having their talent um speak for themselves because the algorithm doesn't support that. Yeah, that's that. You've got to be you've got to have a USP. Like I would say, mine's been this year. I'd say Jazz is his ability to mix and to mic so well and a few others are like Rajiv again mixing it's just um everyone knows that you're going to go to a certain DJ for a certain thing and I think I stuck to my guns with being dissy I struggle sometimes with the younger crowds whereas I feel like they don't know what they're what they want to do because they're probably in a lot more of an English music era as well so they've got a passion for English music um but they want to do Punjabi parties but then don't follow the Punjabi scene as much so they don't know all the latest Punjabi songs so it's, it's a bit of a mishmash, man. Um, but they're phenomenally talented. Like, I can't even begin to... They won't pick up a mic, even. But the talent on decks is just something else, man. So I don't know how the industry changes going forward, but um, my only advice to these the new guys is just just create your USB, whatever your passion is, and follow that, because that will always make you... give you the crowds that you want. I remember, as soon as I got a wedding gig, full desi, I... I spent days just perfecting what I was going to do that day and just making sure it's perfect just to get that crowd. Was that gig in the Midlands? Yeah, naturally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Midlands is like... You, you all my family's from the there, area. so yeah. like, sometimes a bit of my accent goes that way as well, but um, I've got such a big connection with the Midlands. Like, literally, night some of my family's there. I grew up around there. So many like weeks on end, holidays and stuff. So, yeah, it's just a, it's a love... There's no hate. There's all love there. So you, you know you you so you've gone into into the the unit. You've built up your you know you're starting to get your your section of, of kind of the market your portfolio and stuff. Do you, do you kind of 
I'm trying. I'm trying to say this in a in a in a kind of friendlier way. Are you are you aware of uh, of um, of your competition that's out there at the same time? Because you've got you might have internal competition in between yourselves, mm. which is fine. That's any working environment is like that. Yeah, yeah. But you've got you know super competitive other road shows, especially around London, and yeah. they, you know they're not jokers. They they're spending money on AV. They're spending money on 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 just general equipment yeah. production and things like that. I know in, in, in Midlands, it's everyone kind of on on face, kind of get together, sit together, eat together. But yeah. there's, you know, there's another another story behind it, uh, when they're away from that. I yeah. think I think in London, it's a bit, a bit more everyone's front up. Like, you know, it's it, they keep it more strictly business rather than personal. Is that yeah, fair to say from somebody looking outside in? I think it's just a London thing in general. Like, the hospitality in London is shit. Like, no one... No one's really wants to do any seva for anyone. I'm not saying that should be the case, but I'm saying yeah. you're in Birmingham. Like people will get upset if you haven't called them. But like you, you were here, you didn't tell me you were here. I wanted to take you out. We've gone for mixed fill, whatever. And there's, I suppose, with us coming from London into Birmingham, we get a lot of love because we've got different crews and networks that we're not always with, but they're always there that we can have a chat to. We see them at gigs. We have a good time. In London, it is purely business. I'd say, and I, I tell you this. There's probably no love in between. I found it really weird because when I joined Kudos, it was after the whole Caliber Kudos split. So I didn't know anyone from Caliber, but you felt like there was a lot of animosity at that time between different groups. And you could only, your friendships were almost only associated with your roadshow. And it wasn't like really looked upon, it's frowned upon if you were outside of that sort of boundary right so i found that a little bit weird at the beginning i understand it but i found it weird but i think london's just even though i'm from here i'm more of a midlands character i suppose was it guilty by association after the 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 kudos caliber split because i don't know the fully you know and that's what i'm hoping with jazz was here to give that kind of background I I i think now it's so much more calmer like as in we all sort of communicate in different ways. Um, there's people like DJ Mans and Good Lad and whoever they have. If we see each other, I don't think there's any that much animosity. And I think even that goes higher up as well with owners and whatnot. I think um, I think people have sort of got past that now and just accepted that it was that time. People are much younger. I think everyone's a little bit older now, and everyone's still strong in their own work. Calibre still busy doing their stuff. We're really busy doing our stuff. You got Ritzy around and other roadshows that made their name for many years, man. And I just think that everyone is cool. There's no like, no fighting. There's no anger. Uh, there's just not crazy love either. This is what it yeah. is. Did you, you know, from um, a family point of view, you just said like, you've got a, a, a big family. Did you have to make a vocal decision to people to say, "Yeah, I'm a DJ. Um, this is what I'm going to do now." Or were you able to kind of were you still keeping a, a regular job as well at the same time and balancing it all up? Yeah, I think well for ten years I did seven days a week. It was like I had my regular job Monday to Friday, um, and then Saturday and Sunday I was on the road with H. Now what happened is originally H was doing all my family parties, so when I was turning up with him, like. You know, you get extended family. You wouldn't necessarily be invited to the wedding, but you know everyone there is one of those. So it was turning up and they were seeing me. So then I used to go to Asia, like, listen, you need to let me play for a little bit so they don't just think I'm just a speaker to Granada. Like, <laughs> I 
because I'm I'm 25 in it. Like I'm, is, this is a job for a it's, it's always it's always you get com- uncomfortable with like the 40 year old Dudley. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't exist. Yeah, it's just is that is, I think you say the same. I like I, I said to myself a couple of years ago when COVID started, like I needed to lose weight because I didn't want to be like a fat uncle DJ. You know, your dad's hanging over the mixer and you're just not in touch with what's going on. So I made like a a conscious decision to try and look best possible that you can in it. So without the Botox. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that that's coming, isn't it? Where you're gonna get people? Oh, it's gonna be mad when you when someone actually gets caught with a V. What having mean, Botox? <laughs> a DJ Botox guy, for, like you I'm could sure visibly. Exactly. You I'm must sure also on the way that you're smiling. No, nah, because someone coming to office, I don't say who, because he's hard as fuck. <laughs> and keep the shit out of me, but um, he came into the office and his missus does Botox and he's proper trying to promote it to us. And he's looking at uh, he's looking at me, he's looking at H. It's like, he's like, trust me, you need to get it. Look at it, you can't even tell. And I was looking at him, you can fucking tell, bro. <laughs> I couldn't say nothing to him, so I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, you end up signing up. Yeah, 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 I'll, I'll come, I'll come, I'll come. <laughs> So you know, um, so you, you know, you it's clearly kind of like the money and stuff has got through there. Has that made? Has it? You know, you said at the beginning that it was around about passion and getting into it. Did you uh, later on? Did ever that start to wear down? Do you still feel the same? Basically, yeah, man. Like I'm so excited when I've like I'm busy or gigs. Like I love it, man. Like my wife probably wants to throw me out of the house by now because she thought I'd get over it by now. But 12 years on, um, 10 years, I'd say, of proper DJing, um, I'm I'm really happy now because I no longer do bookings that are just in the, left over in the Kudos Diary. Like, oh, there's, do you want to go and do this wedding at this manor house with the Chinese and Tamils? And I was like, I've got my crowd. I'll get the bookings I want to do. And I'm also playing the music that I want to play because people are booking me because I play that music, which is like the best scenario ever for any, ask any DJ. Like people know now what to expect. If I am going to play, I am going to be a little bit more dissy. Yeah, I know everything. I can do all types of music, but that's my crowd. And I'm more comfortable in that situation. And that's why I love it, man. If that ever stopped and if the bookies start dropping down, that's when I'll, you know, it's just like being a footballer, isn't it? You know, when your time's up, you just got to, I'm not going to turn to drugs and alcohol to get over my situation. I'm going to just make a conscious decision and say, now there's a new, whole new wave of talent coming through. You, but isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that part of the problem, though? Because, like you kind of said it, there is a new wave of talent, but the public don't know about them, or they don't yeah. want to, or they might not book them. Do you ever, because I, I think we're in uncharted territory. It's the first wave of where DJ, where the bands got killed. And yeah. then those DJs who got successful where there's real money and it's a aggressive money where it's such a, you know, where it's life-changing money. Mm. And you've got that wave of th- mid-30s, get a little bit, I would say 30s to mid-40s maybe or early 40s. Yeah. And, th- and then there's a lot of them that how long are they going to kind of stay relevant? Because it's if true, they're just yeah. taking the big gigs or anything like that, and the youngsters are not getting those big gigs or they're not being the mic or they're not being on social media present. What's your prediction of that? I think we've got a situation where it's nowadays a lot more cooler to study. 
being like a geek or a nerd is pretty fashionable. Like they're the the clever kids are the cool kids now. When we were at school, it wasn't cool to be clever. It was it was cool to be a DJ or yeah, like going away on the weekends and jumping in vans and stuff maybe, but whatever you wanted to do. But um, so I think that what's happened is the new talent. If they're not getting the big gigs, they're simply just going to follow their studies, right? And just going to carry on and do that job. So there is going to be that gap of, I think the reason why we're still going is because there isn't enough talent coming through. People are giving up probably too early or too easily. Um, there's probably a handful of DJs I can think on top of my head, which I'll be like, this guy's will go places or they'll do well. They'll keep plugging away. I think one guy, Aaron Sander, I think he's going to, he'll do really well. He's from Leventon. He plugs away. He's doing his own thing. He's independent. Um, and you can tell that is his passion, right? Um, I think we're, we're holding on to the market so strongly. Um, there's a few of us that, and until we're ready to give up, the next batch won't come through that well, I don't think. I think that's my prediction. And do you, and do you think, do you think that's reflective of like the music industry as well? What do you mean? Like, like it's in, almost like the same scenario, isn't it? It's like you got a few people just kind of continuing it on, and the new the newer talent coming through, they have the spikes, the flash, but their their lifespan is actually getting shorter and shorter. It's really you you they'll come and then they'll go, and you won't you won't see them uh, again. But that's down to us as consumers. We consume music so quickly that people can't keep up making hits all the time. Um, we would sit on an album for at least a year and listen to the same album or whatever. Mm. But because it's so openly available to everyone, it's quick, 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 quick. The music's not as good. It doesn't last forever. Um, like, how many evergreen tracks have come out? You'd say Hostel, Then Beg are probably the most recent evergreen hits, right? So you could pick out two, but the tra there's about 10 tracks come out every week. But again yeah, it's the same situation there's so much talent in these youngsters there with the production skills and the technology they've got very i was listening to your buddha jagpal mm. um podcast in the car last week and um the way he was discussing how the the lengths they had to go to to record a track but he still managed to make these amazing but i think the length of time it takes to make a track is how long your song's gonna last for as well that can be the only yeah, I, I, I kind of, I kind of went away from that, and I just thought, you know, um, it was one of my favorite podcasts that I did with him, mm, and I was, uh, yeah, sorry, that I done full stop, and uh, I was like, the amount of history that he had in his head and what he, what he did, the amount of meant that they did, and it was actually an occasion when they released a song. Then mm. when you see some of the, 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 the people now, it's like. People release songs this week, and I haven't realised. And I was like, yeah. and I've and I've missed it. And yeah. you think, oh, forget it. I'll just get the next one or whatever it is. And you just think that the the length of songs is like attention spans are so small nowadays that yeah, if you're an artist in whatever industry that you're doing, you won't get appreciated for for long. I mean, like, even. Like even on a minute scale, where when I put a podcast, I put a podcast every week. Yeah, I literally announce it. I put one clip out on one day, a clip on the next one, and then it automatically, I'm thinking I've got to edit the next one yeah, yeah, because yeah, people, yeah. I'll get a message say, "Oh, who's on next?" And I'm like, "I'm yeah. not telling you." That's the whole bloody point of it. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's, um, yeah, and 
but you're I'm also feeding into this kind of market what's been there that is just content is king isn't it even if it's yeah. shit even if it's shit if it's there you're, you're in someone's face every week um it's going to work in your favor eventually but how do you stay on top of it then like with, with, with like new music um for me I'm like I said I'm so into it that I'm every day I've got my Spotify playlist which I update regularly anyway and then um just always I'm just in touch with all the different media sources on Instagram and um I built so many like nice relationships with like singers back in the day before they were famous and stuff and you just see bits coming up someone's always promoting music and for me it's just my ear I need to I need to hear it I need to understand it and really more importantly for me is my sets I want to bring in new music all the time like I'm not I'm not worried about paying doing, doing standard stuff that everyone plays like I'm, I want to keep trying to bring new music through mm. because again that's part of my sort of usp do you ever get um do you still get the bit where uh a, someone from the audience might come up in the wedding and say can you play something you ain't got a clue what they're saying <laughs> I, I never have a clue what they're saying because i can't hear anything <laughs> um so it's like get a phone write it down yeah there's one woman come up to me on saturday and she goes oh can you play my husband's request and i was like who's your husband isn't it she goes oh don't you remember i was like <laughs> It's the last, your husband's the last thing on my mind at the moment. Um, so, but I think it's important to play people's requests as well. So I've always been the kind of guy to take on the request. It's got to wait for the right time. And people, I think patience is a problem with the Punjabis. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's demanding it right now. I remember once as a kid, man, I, I had Budgen on the, on the podcast mm. and he used to have a telephone. He used to put the telephone to, to find out what the next yeah. song was. And then I asked him, my cousin asked me to go to him on stage and say, can you play? I was only a kid. Yeah. I asked him, I think he told me to fuck off or something like this. I was only a kid. <laughs> no way. <laughs> it's, it's I'm pretty sure Jazz like... has used those words on a couple of occasions as well. Say again? I wish he was on. I said, I wish Jazz was on because he's, he's used those words on a couple of occasions as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's hard though, isn't it? Because it's always a drunken environment. And well, yeah. the majority of times it is, yeah. Because you've yeah, also it's... got to have those people skills just in case if something does do you ever remember uh, you know a wedding when you're looking back and reflect from this point going backwards where you thought oh this is getting a little bit tasty because i always remember my my gig my door gigs when i used to play where always for the wrong reasons of this fight kicked off then or this happened yeah. then is there anything that comes to mind yeah i mean there's once we were in um regency in birmingham and uh, I always remember this one because I remember the feeling. Um, so the party is at 5.45. Some uncles come up to the stage and I went, the party's on until 6.30. I was like, we don't want to stop the music. He goes, I was like, look, all I know is I'm booked till 6.30. And then he tried to smash my mixer, try to bring the volume down, or whatever he's trying to do. So grabbed his hand. Pushed him away, went up by the ladies and this uncle over here, he wants to end the party. She'll boo him basically, right? Whatever I said on the mic, yeah. yeah. So everyone's like started booing. And um so I was told him to leave the stage, he was drunk, whatever. And about ten minutes later, um, some geezer grabs me, I look around, this fucking massive geezer built like a shit house. And uh and he's got really aggressive. So I just turned the volume up, gone off stage. And I'm thinking, shit, he goes, you just did my dad's beastie on the microphone. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. It was only at that point I was like, hang on a minute. Like, 
I could generally hand, handle myself in most scenarios, but I thought the one time I thought that time I was going to get caught, I thought that was that was going to be the time. But luckily, luckily, um, we managed to like sort of just, you know, discuss. I managed to discuss my, myself out of the situation basically. But that was the closest I felt like I was in danger. There's a amount of stuff I've seen or we've seen over the years, like the fights. There was that most famous one with the Wolverhampton one, which H was the DJ, right? The the, the 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 bartow wedding so they we've seen it all i guess but it happens man but it's all just down to ego how, how did that get resolved so it was it around christmas time or something happened oh i could be no i could be wrong uh, it was november time because i remember i was doing a gig at royal banqueting that day and i went to ch and at ramada so just dropped we always drop into each other's gigs and stuff and uh up and were a live band as well and um, so I've quickly said on my hellos and stuff, I've left, gone to do this charity event um, in Wolverhampton. I looked on my phone, I just, like, haters like messaging saying, mad fights has kicked off. So we're like, do we need to get over there? And um, just the fallout of that was just incredible. It was all, it was just, I think it's purely down. I think the story comes, the, the real story is, someone said something to one of the Gordian on the dance floor and, it just imploded from there, basically, and everyone's just like fighting each other. That yeah, yeah. Cause that that was that was very early on. It's like I remember I remember that clearly because it it went in the papers and everything. I think that was the end of that venue. You know that because, like indirectly, that they lost was the license. I don't think they lost the license, but I think the guy that owned it died. Um, yeah, passed away or something, right? And then. That happened at the same time this was going on. I think the families were trying to get refunds and this and that, saying security, blah, blah. So all of that mingled in together. It almost became what was quite a popular venue to people saying, no, nah, I ain't getting married there. That's where that fight happened. <laughs> so. <laughs> that is, it, it is crazy. The, the one wedding I remember was, um, was at Victoria Palace. And um, playing 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 tall. It was one of my first gigs. It was a Suffrey gig. So, yeah. like, we were playing. It was the Suffrey, Suffrey was um, the band was on, and the budget was DJing and video filming at the same time. So, <laughs> me and Jess were like, just I don't know, leasing it for that one. And yeah. then, whenever Suffrey was on, like, I think Tubsy at the time, or I think he was like kind of annoyed at us that we were just playing along with something. I don't know. But budget time. Anyway, yeah. fight kicks off, and there's um, like a big kerfuffle inside the in in the hall, it kind of spills outside, and then every time he was kind of singing a song, every other song they would come back in and start dancing together, and yeah. then they'll go back outside to finish the fire, and they were coming <laughs> in with like shit. Like, it was every time he was getting calmed down, they would yeah. kick off again, and yeah. then um, I don't even think how he got. I can't remember how he got resolved. I remember. One of the uh, old uncle going on stage, so he's thinking he was singing Nakrebina Soni Timi, and he took offense that the you know, you're insulting the family, so he came up with a kundi and that onto the stage. <laughs> right, yeah, it was a wild, and that was my you know, it was my first ever gig that I did. Yeah, it was my first ever gig, and I was like, um, I was like, this is madness, man. The thing you're, is, like, you're a kid, you know, I'm like yeah, 15, yeah. 16. And then you're seeing you're seeing that, and then you you learn like I'm already from Hansworth, and you build like a sixth sense in it, so you could kind yeah. of smell trouble that there, there's something brewing. And then when you see some people now where they can't read a room correctly, 
it's very, very dangerous, man. It is, it is. Um, but there's nothing more dangerous than doing a wedding up in the yard, man. Because yeah, I was gonna get onto that. What was what's that like? It's it's horrible, man. Like you don't like there was a there was a period of time for before COVID, about three four years running every November to February or even March, it packed schedule weddings there. Um, if you're in the city, Chandigarh, Delhi, you're all right. People respect DJs, but the thing is, in India, it's a singer on Daraj, right? So they worship singers. DJs are just fucking like just local chapels there, really. They're just blasting music. They're like, they've got no respect for you. They don't understand that it's a talent or whatever. We've come from abroad. They start treating you the same as they, they treat um, you. know how they treat people in, in India if you're not on the same level as a class system there, right? And DJs are at the bottom of the class system in Punjab. So people are ready to pull out gun, guns, pulled out you, being chased out of venues. Like, it is mad. They've lost the plot. Because everyone's your friend at the beginning, but as soon as the dollars kicked in, it's like free for. So they only made a rule now, like if there's gonna be a wedding there, one side has to be from the UK. So at least there's some civilized people there. Mm. Um and ideally it's gonna be in the city, no bender parties, no not even Jalander or anywhere like that. It's just there's people just too ragged, man. They're just Yeah, I remember I was speaking like frenzy at one time when he was like in the contract, he just said no guns, and I was like, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, man." He goes, oh, "They start just firing in the air, and it's just going too wild." He goes, "You just yeah. got to get out of there, in, in and out, man, in and out." It's mad, man. I just thought, as I was thinking, it's not worth it. I'd rather sit at home for a month than sit in India. Like, it's just. Do you, would you? Uh, what? What's your opinion on like kind of the international scenes in terms of like going? Is there a particular favorite place where you where you feel more at home? Um, I'd say Holland is like, yeah, I see. Last I was getting, years, yeah, you've been killing it out there, man. There's just like, uh, there's a whole, I suppose they're like the first generation get married now in Holland, so they're they're like us, really. They speak English as well, but they're just Dutch Punjabis, and they're, they're all their interests are exactly the same. They're into football, the lads are. They're all into Bhangra. I'd say they're a lot more in touch with being Punjabi. The girls are a lot more, um, like, they're still, because they're so first generation, they're, they're Punjabi's super fluid. Um, you know, they're still, like, got a bit of old school mentality about the way they are and their parents and stuff like that. So, but they're coming through and they're earning good money. They've got good businesses there now. And they've got these beautiful venues. The outside, it looks like, everywhere it looks like Supreme Suite or Prestige Suite life. And outside, it just looks like, <laughs> like an industrial unit, right? But inside, they've decked them out next level. It's beautiful. But um, the people are lovely. And I bet you their material and their cakes are nice. Everything is. Yeah, the food's really good as well. Surprise. You're thinking maybe there's going to be... It's not herbal, like though, Back is it? in the day. Huh? It ain't herbal material cakes, is it? Nah, <laughs> <laughs> there might be. You never know. Uh, That's why you keep going back. Yeah, might as well start that rumor. Yeah, exactly. My, there's probably plenty more, but yeah. And I've saying that the amount of times I've been to Amsterdam, I'm probably like a stoner's dream. But I'm just, it's not my thing. So I'll stick to the glassy. Yeah, if you do get caught, you can blame being the Justice to do look like in it. That's your other. That's your other little claim to fame, isn't it? But the first time me and Jesse had a, a session. 
is I bumped into him at Birmingham Airport. We we're on the same flight to Amsterdam. He's went to India as a stopover. He had a six-hour stopover, so he made me have a session with him for about four hours. And this guy, I hope you don't want to say this, but he loves drinking pints. Yeah, <laughs> I've never seen anyone. Like after that four pints, I'm ready for a glassy. Like he, he's like not even started at four pints. He's happily. He's not pissed. He's just calm. <laughs> he's a chiller. He's a chiller. He's yeah. actually on a, a road to recover. Like. Not recovery, but he's uh, he's training. I'll see him. I see him daily. He is. Yeah, he's, no, he's getting a quiet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We speak so much. Like I grew up, um, like obsessed with B twenty one, and because I was related, I'm related to like Jet, Budget, and everyone. Like we're all closely related. That my claim to fame at school was our oh, Bally Jack was my cousin. I didn't really know him. <laughs> Seem about, but that I think everyone said that say. at some stage. Because yeah. like the, the Jack Pals were everyone yeah. wedding in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for me, it was like, yo, this is sick. Um, I forgot where I was going with my point, man. Oh, just the points. Yeah, just the, yeah. Just so this. for me, it was like, I was like almost impersonating him. Like you, he was a bit of a style icon for all our things because we never had no one. Like literally, it was it wasn't fashionable to be a singer when I was at school. Um, so he was our like our first icon in that sense. So it's gone from there where you're just seeing a guy and you'd be listening to him on tapes, to you actually chilling with him. I've been at his house. <laughs> we've had sessions and we've got together. We had a good time. We speak every other day. A wicked geezer, man. I really get on with him. Um, I was listening. He's never scared was, of an opinion as well. <laughs> yeah. That's that's for sure. Like, I don't think I agree with him on everything, but um, he can't. He's a Liverpool fan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's why I was listening to the Buddha interview. So in, I was heartbroken when they broke up. You know that. Like when I was oh, listening mate. to that. Yeah. It's like shit. I need. Did to you get? Know, did like, you get the? Did you get the sense of heartbreak from me? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you were trying to put it across without sounding heartbroken, but you're heartbroken there. It, it, I remember, man. It, it was. Um... Because there was, there was a couple of things that were at Radio XL where I remember before I started working there. I, I yeah. was doing with Polly in it. I used to yeah. do, um, kind of co-host it with him at the time. Obviously not yeah. on his level of hosting, but just there. Just there. Um, they, like Jazzy B when all Gary album, he yeah. just advertised the hell of movie box, smashed the advertising on that and that just went massive. So yeah. I remember that was done properly. And then the second thing they did they did properly was when they announced the the B21 split. Because any At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand, and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Time they were playing the song, they were reading the press release at, at every news. They were always doing the news every half an hour. Yeah. So it was constant reminder. And then, like, I was like saying to my dad, like, because he used to. The just used to be at the sportsman quite a lot. Yeah, I used yeah. to be at that time. I was like, you know, what do you know? Then I was like, met Budgen. So like, what's going on? He goes, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But no, telling you, I I don't know. But knows you get you yeah. know that look, and then um, and because it was there was no avenue in it. You can't speak to somebody elsewhere. Yeah. It, there's no social media. There's nothing like that to kind of. There's a group therapy session going. What the what, what's going on here? Yeah, trying to get they had, sports, it, trying to find out. It's yeah, and then when you, and then when you look, I think people don't realize how big that they were, man. Like Bali was, was, especially Bali was like yeah. this kind of superstar. Level. Like even when you talk about yeah. even like Jazzy, like how big these guys were at their peak, like the Daljeet level peak. You know, well, even in this in this country, I couldn't believe it. Like we were. Totally obsessed with B twenty. It was so big. I, I felt like in a way, even though like I think we, we understood that they were big, but in a way, the interview didn't quite like uncover like how fucking massive they were. Like we used to go to these mega mill like, Remember Network East used to do these mega yeah, mill yeah, 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 NEC yeah. and stuff. Like we used to turn up. You know, how packed these places used to be, and like coaches coming from all over the country just to, just because we knew that B twenty one were going to be on stage at some point. I think uh, I think when, when I get a chance to see like I've spoken with Bali privately over the years, like you know, and uh, he he kind of gets it, uh, and Jussie kind of gets it, but Jussie I think in in defense of him, he's like he's made his own pathway and does it from there, and he's like uh, he's moved on away from that. Um, every time I try and bring it up with him, he's like, yeah, he's, 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 take the posters down, forget about it. Won't yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> that's his life. But I think Booty, I think Booty kind of admitted it in there where. He was more in the kind of the background and yeah. doing it from there, but there's no, I've, you know, you you want to kind of collect it, get me and just say like, do you understand? Like, I I agree with you that I don't think that they fully know how. Like, if if we if one person saying it to them, okay, fair yeah. enough. But if you've got a whole army of people telling the same thing of what the impact was, yeah. like, somewhere down the line, it's going to register. But I think they're just in their old personalities. They're like. Yeah, all right then. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think it's just the uh, you just left with the oh, you know what it could have been like. It was just uh, so big. You can see how we hold on to that memory even now. Yeah, yeah, like how much happiness we like feel. I remember hearing Jendigo come on the radio, and I think, well, what? Where's this song from? Like, who is this? I was, do you have to listen to the end of the song, wait for the radio presenter to announce who was who it was? Blah blah. And it was just like I had to get to a tape shop. I had to get to Luton, local Luton tape shop, just to get there, just to. Get the tape. I remember and Luton was Luton. You didn't know what you was gonna get there. So I remember a wedding I went to, and I won't name the DJ. He's an older DJ. I haven't mentioned his name at all. And at this wedding, it wasn't a big wedding at all. It was at um, Imperial Palace, and oh, yeah. the DJ makes an announcement that he's got the new 
P21 song, Joanni. Yeah. Oh. Right. So remember on the pre, oh, was it on public demand? They put a little clip. Yeah. Was it on? Did they put? I can't remember which album they put a little clip of it. And I think it might be it made in made in England, doesn't it? Yeah, made in England, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he says he's got it. Everyone, not everyone, I'm saying that a lot of people got up and went towards the de- to the dance floor. And what he did was he played that the, the sample bit out, saying this is yeah, the song. Yeah. And then where he's supposed to cut it, he, you heard the audio bit, and everyone turned on him to like like to boo him. Nah, this back then. It. He was blagging that he got the leaked version of the song, and it was full nah. of it was full of shit. And this guy was big back then. Serious. Yeah. Oh man. He he. I can't. I don't know what's ever happened to him. Actually, he was very popular at the time. Yeah, he used to get a lot of them. Oh. I'll, I'll tell you. Off. you tell me offline. I'll tell you offline. Um, yeah. yeah, blonde highlights. Yeah, I think with then it was just them and Punjab BMC. I think for me, killed it. You know, like your original memories, like when I first heard Grassroots and Jindamai, I was just blown away, man. Blown away. Like this, I I almost missed that bomb the Dumbi era. The original Safri stuff. Even when I first got into Safri, it was the Paul Bangla era. So, what was it? Three, four, seven. Well, so yeah, then afterwards, you, you go back a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then the, the Death Jam, the Shadow, Angle Comedy, Fear the Day, and stuff like that. that was, they were all massive in my era. Um, but then Malikids, Forever Gold. Do you know these sort of things? Like, they're so iconic, but I can't, I can remember that era so clearly about UK Bangla, but I can't tell you what happened in the last 20 years. Or last yeah, I, 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 I can't like pick out albums anymore. Yeah, I. Like Millennium Mix school stuff. Yeah, Millennium Mix is huge, man. It's under It it doesn't get the attention, man. It's one that Uh, slips. What's frustrating is a lot of the old tracks are not available on um, Spotify or wherever. You have to to really, you can't really find anything. I don't know. I don't know exactly what's happened with with a lot of stuff. I think different record labels have bought and certain catalogs haven't uploaded them. And it's just a mess, man. I tried to do. with with the Buddha podcast, I was, it was just impossible to find a discography of him or anywhere. You can't even tell did... what year stuff come out. Yeah, yeah. I, I just put the date they uploaded it. I just know like somebody who's like I'm saying it, and if someone's just slagging it off, I just thought to get to a point, I'm just gonna let them just talk about it. I did a, a Shin a Shin podcast, and I just let him just you just tell the date. I had rough yeah. dates, and I was actually fairly spot on with it. It was only one kind of date that I got wrong, just out by a year. Hmm. But they took a year to make an album, so you could you could understand it, yeah, you know. No, but they... but these lot, um, some of the the Bangra discography and history hasn't been put out. We need people like Dips Bamra to kind of unload his head and just yeah. chronologically just load it. up. It has somewhere. to be done, man. It's so important. I I think people think well, funny that you're talking about it, but I think if if we had that, it, it just legitimize us a lot more about where our history of UK Bhangra that era like the 96 onwards I remember it's clear as day I, just, I remember buying Forever Gold I remember buying um, uh, AS Kang's like Kang Fu I remember Juan buying Yus. Juan Yus. all these like albums that come out of grassroots like I just mentioned before and then after that you had the legalized era and stuff like that it was mad you you, what was your opinion what was your opinion of when like sort of Garage came into it hated it Back then, I was so against it. He asked anyone. It's only, to be honest, around about, I don't know, when I started DJing, I started appreciating it more because the amount of requests the music was getting, um, they still, I don't know, 
it pisses me off a little bit that when I see clubs like see, I don't go to Bongo Lights really, but you, you you see videos on Instagram and people playing the same songs that we were playing at university. You play Aja Mahina, this and that. And I was like, it's like we're stuck in this time warp. It is an important era of Bongo music or Punjab music, should I say? The garage era at the time I couldn't stand it, but now I've got a lot of respect for it. A lot of respect for it because the mountain noise and made and it's evergreen, I guess. I still listen to it. I don't want to listen to it, but I respect it. I just need to dissect what you just said there for a second because I lose you. No, no, because it's just no, no, didn't lose me. It was just like you know, you're trained to fork because it's very similar. It's actually very similar. Where at the time I was like. I think anything north of Birmingham, I was just getting vexed that if anyone would just leave it, you know, just release it because it yeah. was all common. And then I think the only ones who I kind of had an exception for was Tiger Star. I was like, yeah, these boys yeah, are sick. I used to yeah. Star. And so when they used to come clubbing and union, I used to be like, oh, these boys are sick. And then um, like, they were superstars in my head. I, the way that Man, they... I loved them. I think I had their first album, The Rising. Yeah. Bad. I used to. I used to be obsessed with Tiger Style as well. If I see him in the club, occasionally, like later on, you know, you used to get those like Shanti nights, they would be there. So I, I wouldn't ever go to a Shanti night, but if they were booked for it, I would go there. Because I didn't really understand that whole jingly music, like, still don't get it to this day. But was, if they were there, it meant that you might get like 10, 15 minutes of Bumala. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then and that's the bit where you lose your shit. You pay 15 yeah, yeah. pounds for 15 minutes. Exactly. The rest of it, I have no idea. I remember Bobby Fitcher, like in Wicked Giza, by the way, he supports Bobby so much, but he used to be like the forefront of this music. I did have no idea what was going on. Like, it was, it was too uh, fruity for me. I just done um, in Hall, um, yeah. and uh, he, he was talking about how I don't know whether he was talking, I was like going through his book. He just re- released a book which is about the art of conversation. Um, let's talk. And I was in, yeah, I saw it, yeah. And as I, as I was like, it, speaking to him and stuff he was like kind of reflecting back on his musical career and it's just like he doesn't know what's happened to Asia, like especially kind of the Indian music mm. scene it's kind of short circuit itself out where mm. when it got the attention of mainstream it's just been oh look at these guys look at this really cute what they're doing and it's like okay we're done now we're carrying on with our music it hasn't fully kind of transcended over into it and he was talking about how it could be down to um actual the music instruments itself it doesn't necessarily kind of cross over because i was like actually it is a point like monday at the Batuke is like a hot a hip-hop fusion track really mm. and it's the beat when it kicks in when everyone knows about it they'll know the thumb yeah. beat as the start with the you know whatever and yeah. despacito for example where you listen to no one knows we don't know the words but you know that yeah. you know the beat yeah it's and he was saying like we haven't kind of and pr- even prash desi beats he was talking about how he nearly gave up. He gave up gigging, like fires, because he he did one particular gig and he saw the lineup and he he, he quit because of it because it was shit, and he just realized like that, that United side that beat Arsenal, wasn't it? And you seen that lineup on the meme online. <laughs> I think we played with five defenders then, didn't we? Yeah, no, no, we played eight defenders. Eight like, defenders. Eight defenders. Yeah, like Jolo Shea and Quinton Fortune in midfield, yeah. <laughs> and just Dwight York up front. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, but yeah, I think um, I think the problem is that the wider audience. No, I'd say one of the biggest problems in production music we want no A and R, so there's no direction. People just 
oh, I'll follow that trend, or then I'll follow that one, or he did do he did something like that, I'll let me do something like this. But there's no actual like you know, like proper management sitting there thinking how we can manage acts or artists. I think people are just guessing like what to do next. They just whereas in normal commercial music, there's a plan. There's like people have a sound, they have an idea. Whereas I think everyone is just follows each other or tries to get a certain sound because it sounds like so-and-so or whatever. And I think that's a big problem with us. The originality starts lacking. So you reckon- like, if I look at like Guru Dava, for instance, when he first came out, I used to love his music because he was very individual. He was quite Punjabi. And now I feel like if he releases a song now, I don't think it's a big deal if Guru Dava releases a song. He, he might be the most amazing guy. He might be charging a lot for gigs and stuff like that. But I can't really tell you other than since Sood, what songs he's released? He's probably released ten, fifteen. He's released you know an album, I, mean? I think. Yeah, but another another moon. What's this obsession with the moon and space? Because the Jeets fell in love with his soul and found like whatever, which is fair play. But that's him, isn't it? But then now suddenly everyone thinks, oh, I need to find the moon as well. <laughs> so <laughs> this is what annoys me. And I he was a phenomenal artist in his time, but he just. Who? I feel like if he had the right A and R, he, he wouldn't be. Just doing this weird poppy stuff because he's actually a really solid who's that? Who's that? Who? Guru. Oh, Guru. I just I think an you're... example of someone that I really rated at the beginning and now I don't rate at all. I think there's a few outliners. Isn't there? There's like Hardy, Hardy Sandu. He does Sandy, kind yeah. of like Pavdaria. Yeah. He does some funky. Even Gary, Gary Sandu, he does some funky stuff, man. Yeah, we well, could say that even Bubble Mind does funky stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's another. But they're just prophecy, doing what they're prophecies like. another one. Yeah, but they, I don't want to rate, I love Prophecy. I think he's just outstanding with what he does, man. Like, he knows what he's good at and he just smashes the shit out of it. Um, and Pav's, I met Pav about two weeks ago. I was at Jay Stack's wedding in Canada and uh, we went out. He's an interesting character, you know. He's a proper live wire. Um, so I could see from his personality where his music comes from. He's, there's a big connection there. But he's a musical head. He, I think... He can sing. He, can he produce, dropped a podcast on the on the free with the frequency boys. I loved it. I used I yeah. loved this stuff, man. But that's him. Yeah, and I was like, because I messaged him. You know, I've been mm-hmm. if you if you obviously just drop him a message. Yeah. I mean, uh, I want to try and get in contact with. But I was like, I I wanted to speak to him because he's so unique. You could just see even he in is his, a what he does. Man. Yeah, he's like a. I've never met anyone like. Don't you really meet someone you think maybe like it's gonna be like a slow burner. Immediately, he started taking the piss out of me. And first, I was pissed off. I was going to knock this geezer out. Then I realized he's just hes just a character. Like, that's just his thing, isn't it? So, <laughs> oh, I laid him out otherwise. So, uh, do you think you're growing out? Like, we were just talking, you're growing out of the scene. You're just this new new breed, man. You can't work him out, man. You just can't, <laughs> can't work him out. Yeah, but he's like a bit of an old school head as well. It's weird. But uh, I found it really interesting. <laughs> it's just because you brought his name up. I just thought about him now. But it, it was funny. We had, we had, we had a good time. So who, so who else do you kind of listen to in your, in your if you get a chance to kind of chill out? And um, I listen to, if I showed you like my Spotify playlist, or if you went on it, um, everything there is what I listen to. So there's loads of like new, I'm not, I'm not stuck on certain eyes. I'm not obsessed with certain artists. At the moment, I'm loving Girl and Orders releases that come out over the weekend. I think they're sick. Um, and again, he's another guy. I spent three months with him in India before he was um, massive. Like we were in the same hotel in Chandigarh. 
Um, so he was coming through. He just done an alcohol too and yadi and Tafik, which was a track I was obsessed with his. And um, I was doing a wedding. I was doing Dilpreet Dylan's wedding in at the time. Um, and so we got to know each other then. And you have seen him the way he's fucking wizard. He's unbelievable. I rate him so highly. He's got so much pressure on him, isn't he, right now to kind of fit, fill in that void in it. There's this, yeah. uh, even though I, I don't think, think he will, it. I think he will just make his own pathway. I just think, yeah. like, I just feel the industry and the whole scene is a bit in, in a bit of limbo in, in some ways. It's still in shock. Yeah, definitely. I think, Joe, you know there was so much talk about, oh, who's bigger, Gurdon or Sid doing stuff. But I think you actually realize that Gurdon, as much as I love him, was nowhere near, yeah. not even. Close. It weren't even close. Yeah, because when you come down to it and you see the fallout, like you say, a lot of people say, "Oh, you only realise Bandar's worth when he's once he's gone." Sometimes, right? Yeah. But I love to do like I fucking I was bumpy as tracks from day one, and um, but you really realised how big he was after unfortunately what happened. It's just you just think, wow. And I think I mean the platform's there for credit, but that that competition you need that with someone. We need it in DJing with kudos. Mm. We need people to copy our setups which i get loads of flack about online but like we need we need that so we can say well fuck you we're gonna do something better now or we're gonna move on or we've already moved on do you know what i mean but like anything man like you know Shaw becomes a better left back when he's got competition as well fuck yeah <laughs> you know, you agree? yeah yeah let's let's talk about the real stuff you know like the thing <laughs> is like yeah we're, we're both united fans as you can probably tell everybody and massive, um massive united fans. now we got like Shaw, who's if we could get England Shaw in United, mm. we signed two or three players, decent players now. I reckon yeah. like the movements happened. I mean, we were gutted about Ronaldo. If he, ne- if he did... Source, man. Okay. He did. If he didn't say anything about Ten Hag, yeah. the rest of it was brilliant. Yeah, 100%. Yeah? 100%. But because he cost him... I was like, oh, you can't do that, man. Yeah. I think, yeah. And it was so premeditated. It was just, I think that was it. And to do it with that geezer. I think, yeah. Firstly, with Piers, Arsenal fans and loving life. Because he's he's basically... He wants him there, don't he? Fanboying, fangirling over Ronaldo in the first place. But, yeah, I think with Ronaldo, he went from... I only watched the first of the two. I only watched one of the two because I, I, I didn't find it that great. I didn't feel like I wanted to watch the second part. But um, he could have made it. It basically became about him being self-absorbed, where it could have just been about the club's a fucking mess, which it is or was or whatever, and he wants it to get better. If he went down that line, he'd go down as you know the hero that he is. But um, I think he fucked up with the Rooney thing. Um, and yeah, I about that man. actually. Yeah, and I only saw those clips. Like I said, I didn't watch the second half, but when you watch him saying, Oh, the other rats and stuff like that, and he's classy Rooney, but Rooney's one of the best players of our generation, probably if not the best. And I, did, I didn't like how he, such an, I didn't like you know, you brought it back now. The pain, I just thought, like, you know, the the way he dug him out that was not needed as well. Yeah, you know, shit with teammates, man. Like, even like you could say what there's. Say that even for us, for example, there's 15 DJs. We'd be lying to say all 15 of us were best friends. There's going to be um, people that are closer with each other than the other. But as a team, you you go out, you represent each other, and you leave it at that, and you keep it in-house. 
you got so, a free uh, kick. Yeah, and and I think um, I think he let himself down, man. It's a shame. Even my number plate says Sue. You know that. That's how much I love him nowadays. Legit. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, that's my number plate. I I, I won't it. spell it out because people get my number plate. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I just had it with my, with my with my son. Like he went football on Saturday, and he's wearing his Ronaldo top, and then he he's like yeah. celebrating, and I'm like trying to tell him, do another one, <laughs> do it, you know, teach him another one, yeah. and. Um, he can't. He doesn't have. He's got a Mar- Maradona top now. Argentina Mar- yeah. Maradona top. So um, I hope he doesn't celebrate how Maradona used to. Although I've got another problem. <laughs> exactly. I was watching his documentary on the plane the other day. It's, it's, it's amazing. But I think what you can't. What I, the the comparisons I'll say is that at the end of the day, all that shit Maradona did in his life, which is like a mad movie, he'll always be remembered for being one of the baddest footballers, like the best footballer of all time. And I think. Uh, Ultimately, he Ronaldo. Once we get over the hurt of this situation, that's always ever going to be remembered for. Even yeah, it's fans. it's more it's it's more it's more the legacy stuff. I, I think yeah. I think people will realize it, even though I don't think there's no relationship with it. Mm-hmm. They'll say he did that, and then that triggered off the the whole sale thing and all this. Yeah. I think I think history will rewrite itself to say it it, it did those things. I think with Maradona was one where he you know I read his book many years ago, many many years ago, and he was talking about how he was trying to leave a situation. So he goes when he was leaving Napoli, Napoli used to come up to him and said, "Oh, what car do you want?" Yeah. And he used to just make up the most stupidest spec of Ferrari, knowing that it didn't exist. And then he goes, a week later, it'd be on my drive. Yeah. He goes, it was just becoming so impossible. And then he was, go, all, it? he was already on the coke in Barcelona. Mm. And then that kind of followed him over that side. And yeah. that basically funded his genius. It was it was just leading one to, to the other, basically. And then yeah, ultimately... Like a Punjabi singer, really. A lot of them got the same situation. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, I think they're like not... there's gangsters involved, there's drugs involved, there's alcohol, the foyer now, there's fucking it's the sad. guns now. Yeah, it's just it's, it's not, it's not, it's not. I, I, I kind of say it all the time not to meet your heroes, especially in this, in this oh, area, because yeah. they're fucking horrible, most of them. Awful. Some of the most. Disgusting one day I've met in my life, I promise you, is I would say, like, it's just you sit there and you just want to get out of the room. Like, it's it's amazing the facade of social media can make you think about certain people in a certain way. But, um, it's dirty, man. It's like, I, I thought if there was like a Me Too campaign with in our industry, I think it's, it's, people be in turmoil, it'll be a different level. You've just, <laughs> just, just started it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's gone I, just, I can't for me what I what I, so like you know in, in this bit we've talked about it like what I was saying playing the doll and stuff and then kind of got back into it a little bit mm. and then I, I kind of left because I just couldn't handle the, the politics I couldn't handle it hadn't moved on. It was so toxic. And then you got the new wave of social media added on top of it. And I was like, I can't, you know, and you're a parent as well at the same time. Yeah. And then you think he I can't be dealing with this, man. So you're like, yeah, you, I think like, you were in that you you was definitely with in, like recently when you were quite heavily involved weddings, I think you probably saw the proper brunt end of the cutthroatness oh, no. and uh 
the bitchiness that that can occur. So, I mean, fortunately, I've kind of managed to swerve a lot out of it, um, but it's there, man. And it's live and kicking, and there's a lot of hate and jealousy. I, th- I think if you're if you're in an arena and you're and in any industry, and there's people who are operating at elite levels, and there's a bunch of people like that operate, yeah. you can you, you know you'll survive. It's just the other people of a um, kind of the atmosphere, the industry, and that can drag you down and start the things. And if you and as as you get better at things, your circles get a lot more smaller and out of control, really. Uh, not out of control in terms of like. They get smaller because of who who you hang around with, or what you're doing. But it gets out of control that you can't control what people are saying or doing or all these kind of things. And then you just get into this bit. And I was like, and I wanted to kind of ask you this bit, which is, you're spending a lot of time on other people's happy events and stuff at a cost of your own potential family in terms of seeing your yeah, kids yeah. growing up and that. And for me, the payoff wasn't there. That's my own personal bit in terms of doing it. Did you like? Is there a stage where you're thinking I'm missing out and I'm not going to get this time back with the, you know, with the family and all these things? Like, yeah. how do I kind of balance that out? I think um, the biggest sacrifice we all made, um, and in life you up and down in marriage or whatever. And I think the fact that our wives put up with this is is probably the biggest surprise because we aren't there at the weekend for the majority of the year. Say safely, like even now it's starting in February next year, but generally March to the end of October, you know you're not going to be home at the weekend. Um, so you miss out on a lot. We've I've made massive changes from back in, when I say back in the day, up until about just before COVID, I used to go and set up all my stuff. I used to go and so set up, pack down and do the gig and do all the driving and sort out my staff during the week, then do all the repairs to your equipment um, and then do the client meeting, sitting down, designing the event. You're doing all of this stuff it's just, and at a point, I was also working during the week as well. So there was like, you're never then about. And when you are about, you're so tired. You you know, you're not engaged with um, with family life. So you do need that wake up call and certain things happen in your life where you realize, hang on a minute, you can't just keep going around just thinking weddings are the be all and end all of everything. You've got to bring back a balance to life. So stop working Monday to Friday, didn't really need to. And then, so that brings a little bit more balance at home during the week. But the, the main thing now is the weekends. I I literally, I turn up to my gig, I DJ, then I leave and that's it. Um, and the rest of, the only other work that I'm doing is just communicating with my clients. And I think if you can get to that stage, then you can find the balance. But it's still really hard, man. It's really hard. There's going to obviously be a time, but I won't ever miss like my son's football match yeah. on a Sunday morning. I know he's going to be playing at 9 a.m. It's fine. Like, no matter what time I finish on Saturday, I'm up um, watching football or taking training or whatever. Um, but you have to, you have to put that effort in, man. You have to slog it. Otherwise, I've seen a lot of people, just families, marriages break apart because of this industry. And you know, I don't want to be one of those. And that's just statistic. So, mm-hmm. so what does it? What, what kind of like? Because you release quite a lot of kind of your own music and that as well. Like, is that another side of the of your work that you want to kind of concentrate on? And um, is that the exit strategy of it one day, or is it still kind of still doing your think... your your mixes and still carrying on your yeah. your, your bits? I think um, that's just like another passion. It's just like I enjoy it. If I find um, you on WhatsApp, you get lyricists or singers 
send you sound bites and snippets all the time. You hear it. If I like something, then I'm going to run with it. Um, only because it's because I love Bangla so much. I'm like, and I feel like I've got the, um, even though like my resources are limited, you're not going to get the bad boy lyrics and the bad boy singers all the time or yeah, at all. But if you can try and put something together, I think I've got the ear for the lyrics or trying to find a good voice and knowing what good music is because that's what we do um but it's just a hobby it's never gonna be something i'd want to do for the rest of my life or anything like that it's just um i think once you're out of the industry i'll be out of the industry doing you know other things that you do on the side be it property or whatever so. yeah <laughs> no what was it fx or the all the uh the yeah. trader the what was it what was it called? Oh, yeah. well we were doing um borex everyone became a uh, trader in, in uh yeah in, uh, in the lockdown pandemic. Yeah. um so just on kind of like we kind of covered like current music and and all, all these bits is there any sort of fears or concerns that you that you think that 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 you can see especially in like a wedding industry that no one's really paying attention to um a lot of stuff nowadays people talk about is the cost of weddings how big they are how extravagant they are there's a massive talk after covid that our weddings will never be big again people have realized but where we are now like we've done just this weekend gone there's a phenomenally massive wedding that we've done people are always going to have i think it's just within the punjabi community that there's there's going to be extravagance in that sense we love a party and if we could afford it we wouldn't do it um i feel sorry for the people that are trying to keep up with that without necessarily having the means to do it um and I always try and say to my clients it's not about the hard sell or anything like that if you've got the money yeah we can make amazing things happen but ultimately, if you've got a decent DJ, you've got decent food, you're onto a winner. You know, nine times out of ten, your crowd's going to make your party, not the the lights and whatever. That's just the additional bonuses. But I do fear for people thinking, shit, this is the standard. And even the standard, I would never get married now. Amount oh. of people, money. Like, if you think about how much people are spending, I would think, you know, even though it's against what what we do, I'd be like, I'd be thinking now, nah, forget having a reception. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's unreasonable. That's but, the deposit uh, on the house, isn't it? Yeah, but people want to come to us wanting to spend, wanting that extravagance. They want something different or something new or whatever. And we can only give what people want, really. People are coming with those wants to us. So um, when I see online that if something, there's a video today on just basically where there's like a waterfall coming down a couple and they're yeah, yeah, yeah. The with the fucking hot. Yeah, which is I've never seen myself, but you can't hate them for it because that's, that's their magical moment. They've obviously gone into that situation Blending. knowing that's going to happen. Yeah, so fucking people are upset that it's happened. I'm like, well, I didn't see the comments. Did, like, what would, what were yeah. they saying in the comments? Like, oh, ridiculous. They say, oh, they say the expectations of nowadays for wedding. Water bill. Show, blah. <laughs> yeah. it's like, there's all sorts going on. But I think if we didn't have a mentality about moving forward, we'd still be getting married in community centers. And now we do some of the best weddings in the world on beaches and extravagant locations abroad. And like, it's just, a, it's an amazing thing to be part of. Bearing in mind that 
even my pre-wedding was in a community center and that was in 2010 so that's not so long ago but like that was my pre-wedding obviously but nowadays you wouldn't i don't think that hall would anyone even look at it now for a pre-wedding like people are doing pre-wedding in the hotels now <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's yeah. I, 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 i'm the same bit man it's where you see the people it's it's like where you, where you see um the dance floors was the one in it Lost this mirrored, Lost dance, yeah, yeah. very gold-plated stuff, and that, and it was, and then you just see a kid just sliding the the on their knees and it by the cake and that, just scratching it all up. Lelo, 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 lelo. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's great for the initial photo after that, uh, but like I said, it's it's design and and like people see it once and they want it. You have to give it to them, I guess, and and. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't think the wedding industry is ever going to shrink. It's such a big industry and the technology. Do you reckon it will ever professionalise? I think, I don't like blowing our trumpet too much. But I think like we've done probably the most to keep it professional. Be it the paperwork so you have to submit to like the Natural History Museum, for instance, or the things that you have to do to be, it's so hard even now not to be looked we don't want to be looked at as the indian supplier at saying that the natural history museum me and jazz having a chat about this like why are we not just a supplier like why are we the indian supplier like but you always that find tag? that don't you when if you went to a hotel or something yeah. oh for there's for indian weddings there's a different manager yeah and then there's it's a different fucking different price suppliers. list normally like yeah. double the price list and you're like yeah. how is that how do you get away with that's like isn't that like it's, discrimination it's mad how it all works and it's just and but it's our fault as well people cut corners and they 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 do stupid stuff like it's just until everyone catches on that you have to work in a certain system you need to have a system you need to have like departments if you're going to do this properly and we've got if you come over hopefully i can bring you down to the office you'll see that there's different areas of the company and that everyone's got a specific function when we turn up to an event everything's color-coded so we know what part of the room certain stuff needs to be in and everything's there's a massive system that h and jazz and gone out there and understood to put together but no one else is going to do it because they don't charge enough money simple fact like we think we charge arguably charge the most in the wedding industry for instance but when it comes to a water company offering the same sort of stuff that we do we're probably half the price still they're looking at us saying we're the cheap bastards <laughs> we're looking at everyone else saying you lot are fucking the cheap bastards they we actually should be charging at least double but we don't because the market doesn't allow us to and that's because no one wants to charge good money for some reason it's okay. mad. <laughs> we're coming towards the end now so as you probably be aware this is the the bandwagon and I, I give the opportunity to the guests to either jump on a bandwagon, jump off on a bandwagon, or is there anything else that they want to go off, get off their chest? This is their space to do so. Oh, is it? Oh, man. This shit's giving me in trouble. You know that. Nah. Um, nah. I think... Um, TikTok dancers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's that let's and, go um, for it. Let's go for it. Go for it. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to offend no one because I know a few dancers and stuff, and it's not them per se. It's just everybody else that maybe they can't dance or whatever. It's not the profession, but 
Don't ever just think for a second, like when they're dancing in front of the camera and they've done their 58th take, that what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> and what am I gaining out of this? Like, I, I'm not sure. Like, you're not going to get a gig out of it. So you're oh, you get mean, someone, you mean like, a DJ doing it? No, not even a DJ. I'm saying like, as in like, it could be a dance. You could be a dancer trying to get a gig. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Anything. Yeah. Whatever you're trying to do is, I just don't get if this is your hobby, then fucking, I just don't get it, man. Like, I'd rather go out and play a good game of five-a-side or something. But to sit there and try and do all these takes, that and the other hate is, um, you know, these insta-couples, man. Fucking, they're the two things I can't handle. The rest of the what, stuff, I'll, I'll be all right. What about, what about when couples have the same email address and their names in the email address? Oh, the wedding ones. You get a lot of that. But I think it's worse when the couples got a shared Instagram page. I don't know, man. Maybe we're just fucking uncles. I don't know. But, uh... We are. We are turning that way. I I find it weird when I see one person filming another person and they're doing like a real Instagram and doing all. And I don't. I can't handle. I'm not even comfortable with someone taking a selfie on their own when it's just them. Yeah. I find that weird. I've done it. Weird, but yeah. I don't. I don't. I, I don't. No, I, do it, like, you, I see people do it occasionally, just... but. Yeah, some people making a, like a living out of it. Yeah, they or spend daily. the whole night in an area just having their photo taken. I've seen people come to weddings just to, just to get the photos taken. That's it. But like I said, we're being fuddy daddies, probably. That's what it is. Yeah, the next. Yeah, the next. The next. But I'm not. Uh... I'm not totally in tune with this TikTok era. Like I like when people send me stuff where you can learn stuff. Again, I think it's just the age thing. Then I think it's sick. Like if I know if I can find out how to change the tap at home just by watching a TikTok video. Yeah, sick. Now, as you do that, I watch a lot of TikToks. I like that. And the time goes quick, yeah? That's <laughs> it. And I always kind of save videos and send it in the groups. Yeah. Yeah? That's funny. But I kind of, whenever, if I'm putting a clip of this, I post and ghost. Yeah. Like, I don't even know how to read the comments on there. I don't understand the notification yeah. system on there. Because every time I go on there, it's got like, it just blows up. I'm fairly competent on social. Yeah. I don't get it. Right, I don't know how these people do all these little duet. I don't know how they cut things yet. I don't bother with that. I haven't even got a department. It's just me doing it all. I watch <laughs> it all, but I just think the effort. That's the other one. How they learn dialogues and they. I'm like, you're about forty years old. Yeah, and you're twenty years old, and you you've learned a script, and then you're acting it out. Like I don't. Uh, I know, man. Like, I don't normal? like to like upset anyone's hustle if that's what they're enjoying fair play you've got to embrace the fact that if they get happy out but part of me feels like a lot of people are just doing it to try and get a like and i i don't know man like i i'm happy with twitter and instagram and i find instagram a bit of a headache sometimes but twitter for me if that was the only thing left in the world i'm happy with twitter because yeah you're stronger you're stronger to it you're funny on there you you're Easy. And it's just, but it's fine. But all the funniest people in the world are on Twitter. I, I, half my humor, I, I was cracking up. I was watching, reading stuff on Twitter. So, Paul, <laughs> really appreciate you taking the time out, man. And um, nah, thank you, man. I hope it was like, I don't know how interesting it can get, but um, it doesn't. It's, it's not bad. It's just, it's you know, it's it's about having a chat. I think that's yeah, the yeah, most yeah. important thing because then people can get kind of a vibe and. Um, if people again, it's just different. You'll be surprised how people kind of where 
these kind of conversations go where they where, what people yeah, listen yeah. to man you know it honestly i've had some like some mad people re- like some feedback at where it comes from sick. it's crazy nah, it's sick I, I love it i love the fact that you're doing it we did a little bit like in um the pandemic which yeah yeah you of, like, i forgot yeah stuff. talk about that you like because you um jazz and everyone you bought back the night shift didn't you yes we did night shift which was for us was brilliant because by law we were allowed to be in a tv studio <laughs> so we got to see each other once a week get together and we did it i felt like we did it really well like in terms of like none of us have experienced being in front of camera or anything we had no idea but we had the technology and we had the space um then it was just down to us to bring a bit of personality into it and, and uh mandy from bbc Asian, mandy man Bichardi, she used to like plan our show for us and it was good it was a really good time and then on the side of that i was doing this was it spaces before yeah 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 what? i I remember jumping in one i remember jumping in uh was it a true school one one or two yeah yeah i think i was there for about <laughs> five, five minutes i think i just jumped back out that was but, nuts yeah, yeah like, I, I was there for the for the bit but i was I like i didn't even do another one after that because i felt like we peaked <laughs> there's like there's nothing i could do that was ever gonna um bring back that sort of the amount of like because you couldn't record it people there was so much talk about it it was mad yeah i think do you know what it was though i think i think there's a couple of things that i that i've kind of learned and i think um i don't know whether you might agree with me on this yeah. i think it's okay to change your mind on opinions i really do mm. and and i yeah, think yeah. like you know if you turned around and said to somebody oh yeah i believe this or i like this particular art or do this or like that music and then you change your mind. That's fine. Yeah. But I think now, because on social media, you've had a picture taken or you've liked this or you said this one time, mm. that's it now. That, that has to be your way and your method for uh, yeah. 20, 30 years. And you, you, I can't talk to you again because you, you've, 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 you've done this or you've said yeah. like that or you've liked this football team, you've liked this player. I think, you're, I think we have to kind of get comfortable with saying, You've got a different opinion to me. Yeah. I ain't got a problem with that. Yeah. That's fine. That's what makes the world go world go around. And it's I think like even, have... even with your spaces kind of thing, yeah. like you would you might have had another three or four different moments and, and a conversation yeah. that might have tweaked somebody else's thinking. You know what I mean? Because if you start if you start giving a shit of what your audience is thinking, I, I think you're lost then. I think you've become the yeah. algorithm. If you yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're doing it just for you, I think and you're people, okay. And people dig it. And yeah, you just yeah. carry on doing it yourself. I think one of the most important things I've ever done in my life was just to carry on with doing being comfortable in what how I feel about my own views, my own things. But I don't fall out. I've got so many like different friends or different opinions, different political opinions, but we know like at the same time we've all got each other's back with good friends or you don't have to agree on everything to yeah yeah, yeah. To... but I, but again you know it might be something you know because you've got good views and you've got strong opinions and stuff it's like there's no harm in like bringing what's what's the most thing, express, what's... no harm in expressing it you you need just as much as you said you need djs other djs for competition to raise it you need different formats and genres i've had different podcasters come on, on my podcast yeah. Because it's just like, I'm interested in them. I'm interested in their stuff. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. and, and it is a podcast culture where you do go on other other people's podcasts. Yeah. 
You know what yeah. I mean? Because if they're doing well, that's good for you. And you build up that relationship where you get on with everyone. Like, but this whole section of podcasting, there's no money in it. There's, no, there's, just, there's, there's nothing from, from that one. So you've got to be doing it. But you're not thinking, when you say that, you're not starting it by, by thinking, oh, I can make money out of this. This is just, like we said, a passion. And at the, at the beginning, that's what DJing was, bro. It was, it was just a passion. Uh, and ha- happens to be a business which is giving me everything I've got in life. I've got a lovely family, lovely home. I've got a very happy and comfortable and and DJ's given kudos gave me everything. So for me, I'm very big on loyalty. Um and I'm very thankful as well about what what I've managed to achieve in this small little industry, you know. Thank you very much. So I think uh-huh. um, I think you said uh, I think we got a good a good good wide selection of things covered yeah. in there. Yeah, and then, good. Um, when you're down, we'll we'll have to do it in person then. Yeah, I'm coming down on Saturday to any Christmas markets in Birmingham with my cousins. I'm actually away with money then as well. So. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Oh, we, I, yeah. Oh, it depends when I put this out, when I, can, when I can. Actually, it'll be a couple of weeks, yeah, so I'm going away. Oh, is it? <laughs> all right, then. I'll catch you. I'll tell you offline now. All right. Yeah, all right. Safe. All right, I'll catch you. All right, bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.